Hi, Stella. Yes. Yes, he just emailed me. I'll see him Thursday. You think? Well, on my last date, I paid for my burger. Thank you very much. No, no, I swear. No, I will not see him again. Are you crazy? He texted me 10,000 times. I'm still trying to be polite because we have some mutual acquaintance. But that's it. He seemed normal when I met him. But alcohol was involved, so... <laughs> yes, I know you would have. Anyway, I'll send you an update uh, if anything happens tomorrow, okay? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you that. Okay. Okay, bye. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Disclaimer. If you recognize yourself or think we may have had a great love story in my head without you being aware of it, don't worry. I mostly have great memories of those. You almost always treated me right. And for the time you made me cry because you flirted with other girls in front of me, I forgive you. You didn't know. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to say all characters appearing in this work are fictitious and the resemblance to a real person, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Except if I actually say your name or give you a phone number, then you can safely assume I'm talking about you. But let us start by talking about him. Chapter 1 Quarter Pounder and Royal Whist Cheese. Paris and New York are two completely different planets when it comes to relationship or more specifically dating. Every time I start a conversation about this, I couldn't help but wonder is my accent so bad that this person didn't get what I'm asking? Because most of the time, it looks like they were actually describing an horror movie. In 99% of the story I've heard, at the end, the surviving victim is left, scared and alone, wondering why. Seriously, there is no film or TV show about how brutal the dating scene really is in New York. They should be a CSI dating or something. It's less scary to do a movie about women busting ghosts than a realistic film about women trying to find love in New York. Insert here. I'm told it's difficult for men too. But seriously, in New York, Romeo would never have dated exclusively Juliet before the 50th date. Harry would never have met Sally in a bookshop. They would have stayed home on Tinder while ordering their book online. And don't even get me started on Fight Club. I wish the last schizophrenic asshole I've dated would call to apologize to me for meeting him at a very strange time in his life. In France, it's not that it's better or easier, but to me, it's more familiar. It all works based on how we feel about the situation and what we want to do at the time. I guess it's require more supposition from both sides, but that's what makes it fun, I think. Here, there is so many rules. 
I'm still learning them from what I've been told. And I've been taking notes. A first date should always be a drink, never a dinner. During the week, never the weekend. The second date could be a dinner, but still during the week. Not the weekend. I was really curious about why should I avoid the weekend so much. From what I'm told, it's because you are supposed to have friends you see during the weekend. I suspect it's because you have to wait the third day to sleep together here. As if you could not sleep with somebody during the week. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, right. And yes, the third date is what makes or breaks a... I want to say relationship, but that's not the right term. At this point, I would say the dating situation. On the third date, you either sleep together or never see each other again. No pressure. But I never got so far in New York yet. Since the first date I went on, I didn't realize it was a date. But after a lot of counseling, apparently it was actually a date. A bad one, but still a date. In my little French head, if a guy don't flirt with me, this would not qualify as a date. Here, if he paid, it does. Duly noted. This guy actually grilled me about the terroristic attack in Paris for two hours. What? Maybe this was his idea of small talks? Dating in New York is accepting the idea that you will have bad dates. I'm not sold on this idea. Even if I don't believe in the Prince Charming and all the BS, I kind of believe that in life, one way or another, we meet the people we are supposed to meet. So I don't see why this wouldn't be the same here. I don't know if it's because I'm French, whimsical, weird, or just me, but that's what I believe, and it kind of takes the pressure off. I know it's stupid, but I've always had this idea that I would recognize the man of my life as soon as I'd see him. He will be tall, smart, funny, creative, Canadian, have a deep voice. Be in his 40s. I don't mind if he had been married once or twice before. Yeah, you got me. I'm actually describing Will Arnett. I just would like him to be really cinephile too. I would love a guy able to talk for hours with me about movies, director, argue about the best movie quotes. But at the end of the day, this doesn't matter. You either have chemistry with a guy or you don't. Chapter 2. Big Kauna Burger. So I finally went on a date with John, the guy I told you about last week. Last minute he texted me to change the meeting point. We met in Union Square. He was hungry and wanted to go for a bite. So naturally, he took me to McDonald's. I tried to trade for Shake Shack a few blocks away, but no. He told me that this wouldn't work for him because he lived in Brooklyn and preferred to stay close to the Metro L line. And the worst part? He made me pay for my menu. I tried to stay open-minded and nice against my better judgment. 
I didn't want to judge him based on his revenue. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of money for guys working in finance. Anyway, I really try to not be a bitch about it. But at some point, I looked at him and wondered, would I want his hands on my body? The reply was quick and final. No. At this point, my adrenaline is playing crossword in the cellar of my mind. I kind of try to hint during the dinner that I'm more looking for friends than anything else for now. He replied, Oh, I get what you mean. I hate dating too. That's why I'm really looking for something serious. And I like you a lot. I smile politely and take a sip of my Coke. As soon as I'm alone, I called my friend Sophie, who told me that he was cool. Her reaction when I told her about my night was, yeah, I knew from the start that this would not work. He's a bit too loud, depressive, and sometimes he can be a bit intense. I'm sorry. What? But poor guy, I wanted to let him a chance. Me a bit offended. Poor guy? What about poor me? At what point did you think that a depressive, screaming, aggressive dude would have a chance with me? I don't know. You're single. He's single. He liked you. I thought, why not? Note for future reference, never trust Sophie again about a guy recommendation. Then she adds, don't worry, it can be a bit intense, but once he'll know that you're not into him, he'll back off. Oh, sure, thanks you for the warning. Four minutes after being rejected while trying to kiss me and leaving, he texted me. I had a really good time. Didn't realize the hour went by. I waited a bit and responded when I arrived home. Got home safe. Smiley face. Good night. He added. I'll hit you up later to make plans to hang out again. No response. The day after, he texted me again. Hey, how is your Friday going? I text back. Well, I'm enjoying the nice weather in New York with some friends. Yeah. Good. I know it's against the dating rule you've learned so far. Haha. <laughs> but there is a good comedy show on Sunday evening if you are free. At this point, I don't know what to say. He's not mean and my mom always told me that... It was difficult for a guy to make a move when he likes a girl because they needed to be brave enough knowing they could be rejected. So should the situation occur, I should always be nice in my rejection. But this guy doesn't get it. So I don't respond right away. After 30 minutes, he sent another text. Keeping a guy waiting, I see how it is. Maybe Sunday brunch is a better plan? I responded. Haha, 
Actually, I'm pretty booked Sunday, but let me get back to you next week. Smiley face. And the situation lasted all uh, week. He would basically text me every day with a new plan, a new idea, or a new pretext. His perseverance after the date was the worst part. Because the date was not that bad, except for the McDonald's part. It didn't bite my cheek, spend the whole night insulting his ex, or left with another girl. Though, in this case, I might have appreciated it. The only thing I could really say is that the sparkle was not there. And oh god, he's boring. But truth be told, when you like somebody, he could say the weirdest thing like I followed you yesterday on the street and I saw you look at a Starbucks, so here is a coffee. And even if you don't like coffee, don't remember seeing a Starbucks yesterday and he just admitted following you in the street, you'll be like, oh my god, that's so sweet and so thoughtful. And if a guy you don't like would arrive with a rose at a date because you posted something about flowers on Instagram, you'd be like, creepy. It's a bit stalkerish, right? The trick is, a good date should not feel like a date. Chapter 3. Martin and Lewis shake. So yesterday, I met Ben for an early drink around 6pm at the Folly on Houston Street. I was a bit nervous on my way. I wasn't sure if I really liked him or if the image I built in my head had slowly replaced the real Ben. We arrived at the same time. It was a bit weird. I feel like we were both embarrassed. The first thing he told me after the usual polite reading was that his girlfriend was busy tonight because of a girl night out, but he was meeting friends after for dinner and maybe a drink. This was so weird. He's the one who asked me on this drink. Now he stayed right away that he's not available and nothing is going to happen. I really don't get him. But I decided to roll with it, being my charming, carefree self. The one I am when I don't know people well enough and still try to appear normal. We actually talked a lot about the difference between dating in France and in the US. And since he lived in both countries, we exchanged observations. He seemed really amused by my incomprehension of the New York dating scene. I tried to explain him by telling him about the time one of Denise's friends explained to me that in Turkey you don't have to kiss your boyfriend on the mouth. I mean, in France it's not so much that you have to, it's just that you are supposed to enjoy French kissing your boyfriend. He left. I started telling him about my date with John to illustrate what I know about the New York dating scene. And I could sense that he was not really keen on talking about that. And crazy coincidence, John texted me at this moment. So I made a joke quoting one of my favorite films while showing him my phone and saying, Here comes Johnny! He looked at me, smiling, and said, 
Are you quoting The Shining right now? Yes. I was trying to read his face to understand if it was a good or bad thing. And he said, Do you know why I love this place? I look around and then see a neon sign in the window. It's a red bottle with the word rum written inside. I looked at him, he nods and looked at me in silence, waiting for me to get it. Suddenly, a flash passed through my eyes. It's too good! He smiles, knowing that I got it. And as a response, I just started to move my index finger, saying, Red Ram, Red Ram, Red Ram. He laughed. I cannot describe how this made me feel. Maybe intellectual boner would be the appropriate word. I love those kind of returns so much. And we start talking about the documentary Room 237. And then I told him about my love for Kubrick, obviously, and Tarantino. We exchanged some movie quotes. In this moment, we forgot everything else. Okwanes, Becky, the people around us. We are just two geeks nerding about films. I don't exactly remember how we arrived there, but I told him I love the moment Mia Wallace and Vincent Vega shared in the dinner in Pulp Fiction, when she told him, isn't it more exciting when you don't have the permission? He smiled and looked at my hand holding my glass, and then touched my bracelet and told me that he liked it. For the record, there is three reasons why a guy compliments a girl on her jewelry. He actually sells jewelry, he's gay, or he likes her. Ben touching my wrist after the moment we just had, that was my opening. And I may have been a bit of a bitch because the next thing I know, I'm hearing myself slowly driving the conversation to the point where it was natural for me to tell him how one of the difference between French and New York is also the cheating. And that's in France, it's not as bad as it is here. Those kind of things just happen. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person or anything. He was almost too eager to agree. He told me about a song that is very famous here, but I didn't know it. Called Your Girlfriend from Robin. He explained me the song. Apparently, it's a singer telling a guy that it was time to call his girlfriend to break up with her, explaining that it was not her fault or it's not because he's a bad person. It's just that he met somebody new and the connection was so strong that he couldn't resist. At this point, I'm in paradise. This date was almost like watching a Tarantino film without the blood. At the beginning, you don't know where you're going, but I'm always happy to be there. Then it starts to make sense until the point of the epic moment that is always so exhilarating. And finally, you feel that everything falls into place. Well, until the moment when Ben ran away. I swear, the guy literally ran. He was like, 
Okay, I have to go. Bye. And just went without leaving me the time to say anything. I wonder what he's doing right now. And at the same time, I don't want to think about him with his girlfriend. I don't really want to think about Becky. Current mood? Listening to Robin in repeat. <laughs> <laughs>